Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. And welcome to Today's Issues. No, I'm not Tim Wildman. You can probably tell by the voice. I uh, tend to park my car over at Harvard Yard, so that doesn't sound like Tim Wildman. I am subbing for Tim Wildman this week. I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. I'm disappointed. Yes. Ed. Yeah. Uh, means you're on this uh, northeastern Massachusetts accent. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say, how you doing? Yeah, I, I do I do that periodically, but that's really kind of more of a New York, New Jersey thing. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, what are you guys doing would be what, more Boston. I'm use, sorry. Use guys. What are you guys doing? Yeah, what are you guys? <laughs> so, uh, but I can, uh, you know. I, You're I, every, very good at it. Every once in a while, I'll, you know, walk past my wife. I go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> she'll say, did you take the trash out yet? <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. Uh-huh. All right, Chris Woodward. Good morning. Since I'm from here, I have to say, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Yeah. yeah. How y'all doing? We're, we're, we're a, a Diversity. Cos- cosmopolitan. Diversity. You know, radio Inclusion. network. Yeah. That's, right. That's what we're all about. Yeah. You know, we diversity. Are. Yeah. Here. We're here. You know, there's uh, Mississippi State fans, Ole Miss fans. I'm a Notre Dame fan. That's diversity. Yeah. Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks. Hey, that's right. You and I, we could talk some hockey. Tim's not here. The cat's away. The mice will play and, and, on skates. And Chris is over there saying, hey, is that Gretzky guy still playing? Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. When, uh, when I started uh, uh, coming over here to talk with Fred about uh, possibly coming on, this is back in 2010, uh, he would bring up uh, hockey. And so, like, after the first or second meeting, I started doing my homework on hockey. So that way I would have something to talk about. Otherwise, I would be in the penalty box. Yes. Oh, Ooh. I like that. Hey, fist bump for that. Yes, that's good. That, that was actually kind of hard, Chris. Well, you know, I think you're actually supposed you to people punch from Massachusetts me. are softies. <laughs> have you been here for 11 years? I have, yeah. Wow. August, uh, August 2nd was my... Um, uh, work anniversary, <laughs> and it's funny. We we joke sometimes in the newsroom because HR will bring us uh, balloons for like your work anniversary, and yeah. oftentimes they're blue. And sometimes when Rusty or Chad has you know balloons sitting outside of their cubicle, we'll walk by and say, "Congrats on the baby." <laughs> and uh, uh, Chad loves that because yeah. they're 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 up getting up there in age. Yeah, they're, they're getting close to Abraham uh, age for for. But they still kids. have the faith. They still have the faith. So yeah. we'll see what happens. All right. Well, folks, uh, we do have a couple of guests coming up on the program in just a few minutes. Frank Turek, host of Cross-Examined, he will be joining us. And we're going to be talking to Frank uh, Turek, uh, and we'll be talking, frankly, uh, about critical race theory, what's going on in Virginia. Folks, wait till you hear the latest twist on what Loudoun County, Virginia, has done and is, uh, is going to do to parents uh, in in that county concerning critical race theory, uh, you, you're not going to believe it, or you will believe it and sigh and disgust. It's pretty incredible. Frank will be talking to us uh, about what's going on there. And then at the bottom of the hour, Sandy Rios, Director of Governmental Affairs, host of Sandy Rios in the Morning, will be joining us. And we will be talking 
uh, a little bit. I think I think we decided to talk about some late of the latest developments on the January six mm-hmm. yes uh, incident, mm-hmm. the quote unquote insurrection. Mm. Uh, that that's what the left calls what happened in the Capitol. So we'll be talking about some of that with Sandy. Something she talked about on her program this morning. We'll be getting her take on uh, just. What the federal involvement was on January 6th. So anyway, that's just a little tease about what we've got coming up. So, Chris, start All us right. off with some additional news. Yes. Well, you know, after uh, making some, uh, some paying some visits to uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and parts of New Jersey to push his infrastructure and social agenda bill, uh, Joe Biden is going to be uh, going to Virginia today to campaign for Terry McAuliffe. We are a week away from the Virginia gubernatorial election Always a difficult word for me to say, but that's what it's called. Uh, And the reason I bring this in is because, as we discussed yesterday, Joe Biden made headlines last Thursday. He did a CNN town hall in which he was asked, are you going to go to the border? And Joe Biden, who has made time to visit parts of the U.S., said, I haven't had time to go to the border. Flip one. Do you have plans to visit the southern border? Uh, I've been there before, and I haven't. I mean, I know it well. I guess I should go down, but the... But, but, but the whole point of it is I haven't had time to get down. I've been spending time going around looking at the $900 billion worth of damage done by, uh, by hurricanes and floods and, and weather and, tra- and traveling around the world. But uh, I plan on now my wife, Jill, has been down. Now, there's so much to unpack there, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Number one, it's not been weeks and months of hurricanes and floods for him to go tour, okay? There were some storms. He did go do that. But he's saying literally he has spent all of his time doing that. And, oh, by the way, his wife, Jill, did go to the border, but not when she was the first lady. So it's just it's so um, not true what he said there. And, again, the American people need their president to do something about the border they don't need him to go campaign for somebody in his party in Virginia. Well, Fred, I, I got to tell you, it sounded like <clears throat> when my wife and I were raising our teenagers, especially mm-hmm. my teenage daughter, she uh, she had the capacity to make excuses about stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what it sounds like. I did the same thing when I was a teenager. Teenagers, you know, did you do this? Do you do, Have you done that yet? Well, I didn't because – now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the president, okay? I have been at times in the past – but let's let's be honest here. The reason the president has not gone down to the border is because it's a catastrophe. Yes. And he doesn't and, and the media will follow him mm-hmm. when he travels and and the White House, the administration does not want the cameras on the disaster that is unfolding there on the border. Well, and it's a disaster that the president of the United States, Joe Biden, has created. Yes. So he's created it. So how awkward would that be? To get down to the what's he going to say? Has all of these thousands come streaming across the border illegally? Uh, he's got uh, border patrol people there saying this is out of control. So, what is the, the president's going to be asked? What are you going to do about it, president? Right. Well, nothing because I created it. Yeah, and I like it this way. And uh, by the way, during the election campaign, I said I would invite a surge. Right. When I when I become president, so. That's the reason. It's the reason Kamala Harris, the vice president, she went down there two or three months ago. By the way, she's in charge of fixing the problem. She's been down there once for about eight hours. She went to El Paso, had lunch with a few folks, and then flew out of there. Yes. I mean, that's her answer to creating. But here's the reality. 
Joe Biden want what you see happening on the border on Fox News because the other networks aren't covering it. What you see happening on the border is totally designed by the president of the United States. Uh, I was just reading something this morning, uh, and it just came in. Yeah, headline is immigration arrests inside U.S. plummet. This is another part of this story. Immigration arrests within the United States. These are people who are already here illegally, have plummeted to the lowest level in over 10 years. This is all by design. Yeah. In fact, uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, now remember this, this is just a few weeks ago, he basically said that uh, just because somebody is in the country illegally is not justification for you to arrest them. He said to the immigration officials. So, can you imagine? They've entered the country illegally. They've broken federal law. The boss, Mayorkas, coming down from his boss, Joe Biden, uh, in the country illegally? No problem. They're not. They're, uh, two weeks ago, Mayorkas announced that they're not going to do immigration raids anymore. Right. We're going to stop that. Remember, Trump went into the... Uh, Factories, chicken factories in Mississippi. There was a a big story about that. And they arrested hundreds of illegal immigrants. Mayorkas says, we're not going to do that anymore. So that's the climate that we're dealing with right now. We have a president that has, by design, created this crisis on our southern border. And also inside, there's what, 10 to 11 million is the estimate. There's probably more than that. Uh, Part of the plan of... Biden's socialist plan that he's trying to get through is basically to grant amnesty. Right. Uh, Kevin McCarthy was on talking about that this morning. Part of that package is to grant amnesty to all of these millions that are in the country illegally. But, you know, it's not that he doesn't believe in walls. President Joe Biden, taxpayer's expense, is building a wall around his $2.7 million summer home in Delaware. Yeah. Taxpayers are paying for that. And and why is he building a wall? Because walls keep people out. That you don't want in. <laughs> that's, that's right. You know, meanwhile, on the border, if you're a U.S. congressman, you're not even allowed to visit what detention centers you, th- right. are, are in existence. Listen, I, it, it, it is clear. I think it's exactly clear what you're saying, Fred, that this is the way the Biden administration wants it. The people who want a better life, we've always said on this show, we certainly don't blame them for wanting that. They understand the message. Isn't there another uh, caravan coming up from Guatemala or someplace? Like, you know, the the, the folks understand that the Biden administration is not going to stop them. No. And I will say this. Now, Tim has questioned the intelligence of the vice president, Kamala Harris. I'm going to step up and defend her intelligence because when President Biden put her in charge of solving the, the catastrophe on the border, I think it's pretty clear she said, no, thanks, Joe. I'm not doing that because, first of all, I'm not going to work against the policies of the Biden administration. Uh And second of all, you're not sticking me Mm -hmm. with trying to fix this disaster. That's on you. So I I will say this. The vice president seems to understand uh, which way the wind is blowing. She arguably got the hardest job ever given to a vice president because, you know, like Obama put Biden in charge of trying to cure cancer toward the end (laughs) of his administration. And it was a symbolic thing. Uh, like in my lifetime and, and the 
you know, 60s, 70s, things like that. Generally, the the vice president would go attend somebody's birthday party or right. do some diplomatic function. Now yeah. she's literally charged in charge of like the greatest humanitarian crisis <laughs> uh, we've had uh, in our country outside of maybe the 1918 Spanish flu, if I'm still allowed to call it that. Well, t- uh, talking about humanitarian crises, let's let's uh, welcome Fred Tur- Frank Turek to the program. Uh, he he is uh, it, by himself a humanitarian crisis unleashed. Uh, we, do we have Frank? Okay. Uh, he's host of Cross Examined, heard at 9 a.m. Saturday, 4 p.m. Sunday Central Time on American Family Radio. Frank, welcome to the program. Welcome back, I should say. You there? All right, we lost him. We're going to put Kamala in charge of getting him back on the phone <laughs> since she's not doing the border. Talk to you next week, Frank. <laughs> well, yes, that's if 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 then. Uh, yeah, to your point, putting Kamala Harris in charge of this humanitarian disaster <laughs> is like putting her in charge of Operation Overlord. Right. You know, the, the invasion of Normandy. And uh, so anyway, she was we'll try least, to get Frank back I hope on. she was at least briefed on that before he just tossed it to her during the presidential address at the beginning of the year. Uh, who who knows what happened, but she is clearly, she cl- has clearly not embraced mm-hmm. the, um, you know, the choice, her, the choice of her to uh to handle that all right frank is back frank welcome hey i'm back but i'm not on the border but if you put me on the border i have a solution <laughs> you do hey, hey what, what's your solution build the wall, build the wall. Build have the you wall. heard of that build the wall and arrest people first of all uh build the wall those wanting asylum they have to stay in mexico and then you arrest people who slip across how about that that seemed to work before well look everybody Everybody wants to come to America, as you said. I've noticed there are no caravans going to Venezuela. Have you heard? Have you seen any going down there? <laughs> no. No. I no. wonder why that is. Because mm. yeah. it collapsed <laughs> under socialism. And they're all coming here. Uh, and, and you know what? No one's getting on boats trying to get to Cuba either. No. No, that's so, true. So uh, I, I don't know what that – what does that What does that teach us? You know, I, don't, I don't know. Well, China doesn't have a problem with no. people wanting to break in. Right. Russia. North, North Korea. North Korea. No. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Wasn't it wasn't it Khrushchev who said that he had to build the Berlin Wall to make sure that people don't try and get in to <laughs> East Berlin? <laughs> yes, that's what he said, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He yeah. said you have to build the wall to see what's actually inside the walls. Kind of like Nancy Pelosi picked up picked up uh, on that. All right, Frank. Uh, listen, we'll, let's move from one disaster to another. Okay. okay. Let's let's move from the disaster on the border to the disaster that is. Loudoun County, Virginia, and this really, is such a this is such a cheery show, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it, oh, it's cheery, uh, and and really, let's talk about the disaster that is unfolding in the public school systems across the country, as critical race theory mm-hmm. kind of takes off. Uh, Chris, do we have a story we want to kind of send, uh, or Fred does? Uh, yeah. A story yeah. we want uh, Frank to discuss. We sent this, folks, to Frank this morning, but we want to get his take on it. Fred, what's happening now in Loudoun County? Well, there's a Daily Caller story this morning, Frank. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not. Loudoun County not. Public Schools. Loudoun County. This this is, you know, Loudoun County school board meetings. You've all seen the videos over the last several months. Parents really upset about a lot of things, including critical race theory. Uh now we find out through the Daily Caller 
Loudoun County Public Schools is requiring parents to sign a form comparable to a non-disclosure agreement to view a portion of the district's new curriculum inspired by critical race theory. So parents have to fill out a non-disclosure form, which basically says you can't tell anybody what you see on this. So if if parents do request, they want to see the curriculum, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement so that you don't reveal what you have read. And also the curriculum is exempt from any FOI, uh, Freedom Freedom of Information applications. Mm. Wow. So you can't get it that way either. Now, uh, what's going on is that the curriculum is uh, uh, the Loudoun County is becoming a licensed user of what's called Second Step Programs, which is a branch of the Committee for Children. Also, of course, Loudoun County is affiliated with the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, by the way, which is all part of this. But anyway, this curriculum, which is actually being used in some other jurisdictions in the United States, uh, basically tells uh, the story of critical race theory uh, it, it, it basically is, you know, that you're, that there's a group of people being treated unfairly. Uh, it is the oppressor versus oppressed critical race theory that we've talked about, but it's, it's abs- second steps program. This is according to the daily caller revolves around the concept of quote, social emotional learning, which is linked to the core tenets of critical race theory. According to committee for children, the nonprofit behind second step curriculum, uh, SEL is fundamental to achieving social justice. Now, this Daily Caller story also quotes a teacher in Utah who uh, quit his job in that state because they've been using this program. Uh, he said his resignation, that he could not, in his resignation, he said he could not in good conscience present material that teaches students that their parents are roadblocks to their goals, material which contains propaganda and encourages students to become activists, end quote. So, Frank, despite all the controversy over this that has been boiling up and has become part of the election campaign, the election is going to be held there next week, uh, they're still continuing on with plans to teach critical race theory. I just can't believe, well, maybe I can believe because the world has gone completely nuts that they think this is the way forward to try and hide what they're doing with a non-disclosure agreement. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. This is a public school. You should be able to see whatever is going on in that school at any time. How do they get away with saying you can't reveal what we're teaching to the children? That's bizarre. And it should send red flags up everywhere. Why are you trying to hide this? Well, I mean, you got the guy who's running for the Democrats to be the next governor, Terry McAuliffe. What did he say to parents? I'm sorry, the teachers are the experts. You don't have any right to tell us what we're going to teach your kids. Yeah, now, Frank, we have have talked about this on the program before. I certainly understand that you don't want every individual parent, you know, hovering over every teacher and saying, I object, I object. But that's not what's happening. Frank, these are groups of parents who who simply wants to know what the curriculum is. And Loudoun County and Utah, other places, are saying, no, parents, you you have no business even understanding or seeing or telling other people what we're teaching. Well, the the ridiculous thing about it is nobody's ever talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore, are they? Right. This is is all just social engineering. It's, It's all 
values clarification. Uh, it has very little to do with practicality. It's uh, just promoting Marxism because that's what critical race theory comes from. Well, explain, this is explain not a the, little bit about uh, critical race theory, Frank. For those just tuning in and, and maybe they haven't been paying attention, they've heard the, the term, but they don't really know what CRT is. Well, this is the idea that there, it comes out of Marxism. It says that there is a group of oppressed people and a group of oppressors. And when it comes to critical race theory, which is a subset of critical theory, it says that in critical race theory, the oppressors are white people and the oppressed are non-white people. And so we should just listen to the experiences of the non-white people and their experiences carry greater weight in the public square than any white person. And any white person that tries to use reason to say, to, to put forth any point is just pointing, is just revealing themselves to be a racist. We don't listen to reason if we're critical race theorist advocates, at least not officially. doesn't mean every critical race theory advocate believes this. And that's one of the problems, as you know, with critical race theory. There's no Bible of it. There are people that are saying, well, this is critical race theory, or this is critical race theory. The core of it, though, is this idea that there's a group of oppressed people and a group of oppressors, and anybody in the oppressor category shouldn't be listened to. And when young people are in school taught that because you're part of this group, you are automatically a racist, that is racism itself. It gets completely away from the truth. It gets completely away from what, what Martin Luther King said, that I have a dream that my children will be judged on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Critical race theory flips that on its head and says you will be judged on the color of your skin. That's the problem with it. It's racism. To try and fix racism, it doesn't work. It's, it's exacerbating the issue. It's not fixing it. Uh, we have uh, Frank. Uh, I don't know if you heard Condoleezza Rice last week. She I was did. asked about uh, yeah. about critical race theory, and uh, we have her queued up from last week. Go ahead, Brent. I thought they didn't teach critical race theory yeah, until they went to like law school or something. That's oh. right. I sure hope not, because I'm not certain seven year olds need to learn it. I grew up in segregated Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. My parents never thought I was going to grow up in a world without prejudice, but they also told me that's somebody else's problem, not yours. You're going to overcome it. I would like black kids to be completely empowered to know that they are beautiful in their blackness. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white. So somehow, this is a conversation that has gone in the wrong direction. We teach the good and we teach the bad of yes. history. Yeah, but right. what we don't do is make seven and 10 year olds feel that they are somehow bad people because of the color of their skin. That doesn't seem yeah. to be part of the plan. Oh, it no. is part of the yeah. plan. I mean yeah, that was uh, Joy Behar. That doesn't seem to be a lot of <laughs> And your little dog, too. <laughs> I worked on that for three weeks. Well, that's, In that's, my car. that's excellent. All right, Frank. I, I mean, listen, I think you even had the... The, the audience at The View, that was, a, that was an interview at The View, wasn't it? And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and it Condoleezza was. Rice, in case some people don't know, very successful black woman who kind of self-made tremendous story of success, reached uh, many of the heights of political power in this country. Secretary was, of State. Secretary of State was, was, uh, uh, was encouraged to run for president. She just didn't want to do that. Brilliant lady, professor and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think if you've got the audience at The View applauding what she was saying, Frank, I think that's the way forward. 
I think people realize that you don't fight racism with more racism. You don't tell white kids or black kids, white kids, you're racist, and black kids, you're victims. That's not the way forward. That's opposite the way we ought to go. We ought to bring people together, not separate them and put them into groups. That's racism itself. Right. Frank Turek has been our guest, host of Cross-Examined, heard on uh, American Family Radio. Frank, thank you so much for being on with us today. All right. God bless, guys. See you. Well, I like what uh, Condoleezza Rice said and what Frank said, and you can't combat racism with more racism. That's clear to anybody who has a, has a brain. Uh, I think the people on the far left, the radical left, have a brain. They're just using it for nefarious purposes. Folks, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, Sandy Rios will be on with us. More great news coming right up. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. You know, when Matthew 19, the, the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. In a span of three days, 23 students at Southwood High School were arrested for fighting. The out-of-control violence was the talk of Shreveport, Louisiana. No matter what the school did, they could not control the kids. And that's when a group of dads decided to take matters into their own hands. Forty fathers called dads on duty, volunteering to walk the hallways and stand guard over the high school. None of the fathers have any professional training in counseling or law enforcement, but they do have professional training in parenting. And that made all the difference in the world. Since the dad started patrolling the hallway, something miraculous happened. Kids stopped fighting and started going to class. There's a great debate being waged across the nation about the role of parents in higher education, but educators need not look any further than Southwood High School to discover that fathers know best. 
I'm Todd Stearns. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. And welcome back, folks. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. And from a remote bunker, which will, the location of which will go unnamed, we have Sandy Rios, Director of Governmental Affairs and host of Sandy Rios in the morning. Heard at 7 a.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Sandy, welcome back here to Today's Issues. Good morning, Ed. Ed and gang, how are you guys this morning? Great. I'm doing great. Chris, how are you doing? I was just trying to think of what my gang nickname would be. C-Dub. How about that? C-Dub. I'm really excited because President Joe Biden is going to cross the Potomac today to help out Terry McAuliffe there in Virginia. Yeah. Terry McAuliffe has invited the most unpopular president (laughs) since World War II. I'm not exaggerating. No, I don't. Yesterday's headline, yeah. So what do you do when when things are getting really tight for you as a Democrat candidate? You bring in the most unpopular president since World War II to help you? Yes. Really? Well, Well, didn't he... Didn't he already bring in just about the most unpopular vice president since World War II to yes. help him? Well, by, vid- <laughs> by, video, by video, Sandy, she's been shown in all the churches, uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah. That Terry McAuliffe is my friend. Yes. And you should go vote after church. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not making it up. No, I know it. Yeah. And there's some question about whether that was legal, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so we'll let that all be sorted out. But. Sandy, we wanted you to come on because I know you're as concerned as we are still about the tragic events of January 6th, when our democracy, our, well, our republic, hung by a thread because uh, of domestic terrorists who, ch- who charged the barricades and tried to overthrow the republic in a violent coup. <laughs> Okay, all that, folks, all tongue-in-cheek. Uh, certainly not saying that what everything that what happened, everything that happened on January 6th um, was, uh, was done right, and we've you've been critical of a lot that went on. But, Sandy, uh, what's happening now and what has happened recently is something that uh, Chris uh, has a little bit of information on, and we want to get your take because – we understand you've been covering what happened on January 6th and uh, the recent um, controversy over potential evidence of federal involvement. Chris, right. is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, so this is going to take a little bit of a setup uh, to to explain uh, the audio and, and have it really be in its full context. As we all have discussed in this program, and many of our listeners and readers are aware, uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared before members of the House last week to take questions on a whole host of topics. And during that committee hearing, Representative Tommy, Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, uh, he, he brought up this tablet, and he brought up the fact that there is a, quote, concern that there were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th and January 6th during those protests. 
Congressman Massey then played the video on his tablet for Garlic Garland to watch and comment on. This is audio from that video in the exchange that followed. Clip 7. I'm afraid I can't see that at all. As far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every, but they need to go into the Capitol the next day, is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that video? Uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. This okay, is, uh, can you tell us without talking about particular incidents or particular videos how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol and if any of them did? I'm going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. All right, Sandy. First of all, let me just say, uh, in defense of Attorney General Merrick Garland, I am sure that the federal government has people planted within organizations that might be doing something illegal. And I don't expect the attorney general to uh, reveal who those people are or where, where they are doing their work. But it seems to me that he that the attorney general could have certainly answered the question from representative Massey there at the end, were there federal agents involved in something that's in the past? Is that unreasonable? Uh, no, it's not unreasonable. And I think uh, to kind of put some flesh on this a little bit, Ed, uh, that guy, if you could see that video, he was present. That was a montage of I think about four different, I believe four different times, he's shouting at people, supporters of President Trump, uh, to, to go into the Capitol. It starts on January 5th. He's standing there. He's a big guy, great big loud voice, as you heard. And he's saying, we're going to have to go into the Capitol. We're going to, I know I'll probably be arrested, but we've got to go. And you'll notice, you might have noticed, you might have missed it, that people standing near him said, no, no, no. And then some of them started chanting, fed, 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 fed. So even on January 5th, there were people in that crowd who suspected him. All right, so then you see him at the rally, President Trump, and he's saying, as soon as he's finished, we have to go over to the Capitol. We've got to go inside. He's not saying it like I'm saying it. He's shouting it. He's telling people loudly, uh, come on, we got to go. And so then there's there's a third clip that I know of. There's maybe four, but the the last and final clip. You remember that scene um, that you've seen, the scene that you've seen 
uh, that's been released by the Fed, by the Feds, speaking of Feds, uh, where you see that uh, makeshift fence, that low fence that's in front of the Capitol. It's really virtually worthless to really keep people out. And you see Trump supporters surging at it and then finally pushing it and then passing through. Well, he's right there telling them that they need to go in. And then he bends over and whispers to the guy right on the front lines, right in front of the fence. A younger guy looks very fit. Uh, he's got on a red Make America Great hat. Uh, the guy, the big guy, who now we know is Ray Epps, bends down and says something to him, and then they rush it. And the, the guy that he whispered to is the one who is uh, leading the charge and pushing down that barrier. Okay, so that's a little bit more flesh on this. Now, Revolver News has done an 85-page expose on Ray Apes, Epps, and I didn't, I haven't made it through all of it. So I can only tell you that he was high on the list of suspects of the so-called uh, insurrectionists. And his picture was everywhere initially. Everybody saw it. And so um, the FBI initially, it sounds like, they they acted like they were going after him. But after all of these months, he's never been arrested. He's never been identified by them. Uh, it's just silence. We have like, what, 600 people who've been arrested. Uh, we have the hundreds of them who've been placed in the D.C. jail, but not Ray Epps, not this guy who was like encouraging everybody to go in. And that's not all. I mean, I can go on or you can I can stop if you want to say something. Then I have a few more things I want to add to that. Well, let me just ask you just a quick question. Now, Ray Epps was on the FBI, the Justice Department. I don't know if it's, if it's just Justice Department or FBI included, but he was on a list of suspects, most wanted kind of thing. And then in July, he was removed from that list. Is that not right? Yep, something like that. I'm not sure the timeline exactly. Yeah. But yes, initially he was high profile. They said they wanted him, and then suddenly not so much. And and so he I, was he was he, he he was wanted because this video had surfaced of what he was saying. And if you are going to look at people that you actually think are acting like domestic terrorists, we know that we know that that phrase is getting tossed around liberally. Uh, nowadays, including to parents who are just simply wanting answers in Loudoun County. But if you have somebody who is on video saying, we've got to go into the Capitol, stirring people up to do it, I don't know why you remove him from your most wanted list. Yeah, I wonder why. Suspicious. Well, maybe. Well, here's another parallel story. Uh, the Oath Keepers are supposed to be the no good, terrible, horrible organization of insurrectionists. You may know that. Uh, I personally don't believe that, but that's what the FBI is claiming. And the, the head of the Oath Keepers is a guy named Stuart Rhodes. He's the titular head. So they've arrested several Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers are former military—this is my understanding of it. I'm not an expert, but former military, former police officers who are just simply still sworn to keep their oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Um, for the most part, I think they're real patriots— uh, so this, I don't know anything about Stuart Rhodes. I just know that they say he was the head of it. So they've gone after a lot of Oath Keepers. They've accused them of being the organizers, of doing all these horrible things. Uh, but they haven't found any horrible things that they've actually done, From as far as I know. Uh, they, uh, they've gone after a guy named uh, Thomas Caldwell. You may know about that. I talked about that on the air a couple of weeks ago. And I don't even think he went into the Capitol. But he was part of Oath Keepers. 
And they based their accusations of the, and I could read, there's like a half a dozen of them that have been jailed. I could read the accusations against them, but um, the accusation of the FBI document are the words of Stuart Rhodes, the so-called leader, about what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And they use those words to accuse, they use those words to accuse Thomas Caldwell, who, by the way, wasn't even anywhere near Stuart Rhodes when he said what he said about that. Uh, so they punished Thomas Caldwell terribly, put his, made his life miserable. But wonder what's happened to Stuart Rhodes, the so-called head. Mm. Oh, nothing, nothing. No investigation. He hasn't been arrested. Nothing. Uh, there are lots of stories about this, Ed. In fact, and, and then it traces back to that so-called uh, kidnap plot against Governor Whitmer in Michigan. Mm. And uh, as, as it turns out, there were more federal agents and FBI and informants involved in that operation than there were guys from Michigan who were supposed to be militia. It was the FBI who funded it. It was the FBI whose his guys arranged the meetings, who set forth the plan, it wasn't anybody. These the guys that they were. One of them lived in a closet, somebody's basement. It's not a closet. He lived in a basement that belonged. He, these people that they are, they went after or that they pulled into this, are really probably not even capable of doing what they suggested. The FBI agent in Michigan who was overseeing that little project, as soon as that was over with, got transferred to Washington D.C., the Washington D.C. field office, where he was now. The doing that same job for the FBI when January 6th happened. This is the allegation that the FBI set up January 6th, that they put, they planted it, that they tried to foam it, they tried to make it happen in any way they could so that they could turn it around and accuse Trump supporters of being insurrectionists and of being, um, you know, all the things that they accused Donald Trump of being. That's the allegation, and I believe it might be true. You know, uh, Sandy... If I was making a movie about a corrupt Justice Department, uh, it would kind of follow the script that we have seen of our Justice Department and the FBI over the last four or five years. Going back through the whole Trump administration, right? the now phony Russia collusion that we all know was phony after $30 million investigation or right. whatever it was. And now it is not beyond the scope of at least some valid speculation that this same Justice Department saw an opportunity after last November's election, let's give one last fist to the Trump administration and let's have some people who would encourage, they knew this rally was going to occur, let's have some people go up to uh, encourage people to go up to the Capitol and knock down fences and break in. If you if you follow the story for four or five years, we know an FBI that that hated Donald Trump from the beginning. I mean, going back to the election campaign of 2016. Right. That's all documented now. So is it beyond the possibility that this same Justice Department orchestrated, put agents in there, to encourage people to go up to Capitol Hill, break down fences, and and go inside. You know, if I was a lawyer for one of those, is it 600 that have been arrested? If I was a lawyer, I would demand during discovery to bring in uh, Epps, is that his name? Ray Epps. Yeah. We want to know, and we want him brought in 
under swear him in, and we want to know what his background is, how he got there that day. How was it that, why did you encourage people to do that? I mean, it's easy enough to do. Discovery, you bring him in, you swear him in. Right. That's the information we want to know because our guy is being charged here, but we got Mr. Epps over here encouraging people to go up, and you haven't charged him. We want to know. Yeah, I, you know, yes, I think that's a great idea, Fred. And I, uh, I want to commend an article by Julie Kelly, which talks about what actually happened to Thomas Caldwell. He's the, he's the Oath Keeper, mm. who actually has been treated, well, he's the most publicly badly treated. Julie has an article in uh, American Greatness called An American Horror Story. It's a story of how they arrested him. He's 66 years old. He's sick. Uh, and his background is impeccable. And he talks about how he was only in his underwear. They dragged him out in the middle of the morning, dragged his wife out in her, in her nightgown, and uh, how they pulled him in and didn't give him medical treatment. It's, it's terrible. This is what they did to Thomas Caldwell. But Stuart Rhodes, the guy who's supposed to be in charge of Oath Keepers, oh, no, um, no, he hasn't been arrested, you know, nothing. So it just smells. It smells deeply of something rotten. And you're right, Fred, actually— Friday, I'm going to be talking about uh, Andrew McCabe just getting off, mm-hmm. a little reminiscence about all the things that he did. I was yes. reminded in preparing that about how um, a, a Deputy Attorney General uh, Rosenstein was you know, planning on, wanted to wear a wire in to trap, entrap President Trump. So why wouldn't we think that they would not want to entrap Trump supporters? Of course they would. And I think they have tried, and I think they've been, you know, they nearly had success, except the problem was all those people that they really tried to blame for such terrible things were all good people. I'm not saying they were all, maybe there were some rotten, but there was a couple of crazy ones. You know, the guy with the, the guy with the big uh, hairy hat on with the horns, mm-hmm. he's got some mental problems. He's treated, he's been treated so horribly, you guys. He's well, just been broken San- terribly. Sandy, I, my, my understanding is a lot of these people have been kept in jail. And not brought before a judge. In other words, not given a speedy trial. Uh, and and you wonder how this kind of thing can happen in the United States. And you wonder what the motivation is. I mean, are are they are they accusing them all of actually being domestic terrorists and bringing the Patriot Act to, to bear in these cases? My understanding, I, I'm not even sure all of them have seen attorneys. Well, I think they in name have attorneys, but in many cases they're not even allowed to see their attorneys. Not until right. the and that's that's illegal. And even a, even a murderer is allowed to see his attorney if he wants to see him. Uh, but no, uh, they've been a, the things they've been charged with are things like parading. Some of them are being held for parading. Yeah, I'm, I'm not kidding. What is we're going on eight? We're going on ten, uh, eight, six, eight, ten months. I mean, not since January sixth, but since. They were picked up. We're talking about a long time. Some of them have been in, yes. in custody. And, and many of them are being asked uh, how they feel. Their families are being asked this. One kid was like a minor. I think he was 17, maybe 18, 17, maybe he was homeschooled. And uh, he was, his parents were asked about what they, what they taught him about the election. And they would not release the kid. Uh, they would not release him from the jail to his parents because the parents had told him the election was stolen. And uh, that they couldn't. That was a poisonous environment. He could not be released back to that. They they really broke that family. I read that whole story. That's been several months. They finally released him, and the mother said, "We are broken. Mm. We are just broken by well, the things the, that that the government did to them." The federal government's power is enormous, and yeah. they can break anyone they want. Yeah. Frankly, 
Uh, it doesn't matter what, what position you have, how much money you have. And this is a, precisely what the founding fathers did not want to have happen, which is why they created a republic with separation of powers. Do you know Chris, why you want, they didn't want that to happen? Because they were in a system where that happened. Right. It's the whole reason for the separation of powers and the limits as to what a government can do to people. Right. I didn't have my mic up. I, I made a profound statement if you didn't hear it. Check out the podcast after. <laughs> hey, Sandy, anything else you want to mention before we let you go? Or uh, There's just one other story that I'm actually going to try to track down if I can find the time to do it. Um, you know, many of these uh, cell phone companies and banks have cooperated with the feds to release personal information of people who went to the Capitol on January 6th, even if they did nothing, even if they were just there at the rally. Uh, and so, and one of them turns out to be a pastor. I don't know his name yet, but I think I'm going to try to find out here. Uh, the Bank of America, he was in Florida on a trip, and Bank of America suddenly would shut down their account, uh, would not let them use their, uh, their credit cards. They were told by the bank that uh, in about a week they would release their church funds. And his crime, the reason Bank of America did that, as though they were the law, was because he was at the D.C. rally on January 6th. He didn't go in the Capitol. He was just there. Uh, so um, I'm going to look up that. But remember that they have subpoenaed uh, phone records, and, and the, the phone companies who should not have done it have released private information about phone calls and all kinds of things. So people that were just pinged as being in that area have been harassed and uh, visited by the FBI, gotten out of bed with SWAT teams. It's, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. wrong. It's just wrong. Well, San so, uh, Sandy, I'm sure they've done that for all the riots in Minneapolis and Portland <laughs> and Seattle. I, I, I'm sure all those people are being investigated. Are they all in jail somewhere, too? Oh, I'm sure they must be. It must be one of those COVID encampments that we don't see or know about because I, I don't yeah. see or know about that. But <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it seems clear to people who are paying attention that the federal government's power, uh, when it is serving the left i will say the i'll say the radical left so that i don't besmirch the integrity of everyone who's in the democratic party yeah. Yeah. but the radical left this power is being used for sinister purposes it started under the obama administration lois lerner and the irs weaponized against conservatives and tea party groups and that misuse of tremendous governmental power has only continued in the Biden administration, and it was, it's so nefarious and so sinister, it was going on under President Trump, where they were actively trying to undermine the sitting U.S. president, and I'm not sure where this winds up. It's, it's it, you know, unless God has mercy on our nation, we are only going to continue to fracture, and uh, uh, Sandy, wh wh what have you got coming up that uh, folks will want to be uh, um, looking forward to this week? I know well, Friday tomorrow, you said that's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be a good recap, kind of reminding people of what, what's happened. Um, tomorrow morning I'm going to be talking to former Congressman David Bratt. You remember he's an economics professor? Right. He was before he ran for Congress. And so I've asked uh, Dave to join me. He's now at Liberty. He's the chairman of the dean of their school of business. Uh, he's going to join me to talk about what's happening with uh, with the ports, with our economy, with inflation, uh, with with everything, the, the high gas prices. We're going to talk about all the economic concerns that we can get in in the time that we have. So that'll be tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, I'm not sure. I'm working on something. I'm not sure about that. But Friday will be all about uh, 
uh, Andrew McCabe and how okay. he got off and what he did and what he did that he got away with also, some of the other things. Well, that sounds like great radio this week, folks. You've been listening to Sandy Rios, who's uh, Director of Governmental Affairs for AFA and host of Sandy Rios in the Morning, heard at 7 a.m. Central Time on AFR. Please check out the program, and if you are unable to, you can go to AFR.net and get the podcast for Sandy's programs. You've heard some of the uh, very interesting things that are coming up this week. Sandy, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure, Ed. Thank you, guys, and thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You know, Ed, okay. you're talking about the power of the federal government. When I see what uh, the President Biden is announcing now, these these vaccine mandates, right? it is scary because we now have a track record of when certain people get into power, what they do. I mean, we're, we're now seem to be headed towards vaccine mandates and then vaccine passports. I mean, they're Democrat-controlled cities like New York. You don't get into a restaurant right. without a vaccine passport. I mean, it's basically to shut down. What was the, uh, the, the head of the New Zealand government the other day? was asked about two classes of people in the world now. Right, yeah. And she giggled and said, yes, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And it's almost like the unvaccinated, these are people that you can punish as much as you want, and there's no problem with that. We are going to demonize these people. Joe Biden has said a number of times at news conferences, it is now a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Right. And that is not science. Right. That is not science. We now know that people fully vaccinated can pass along the virus to other people. And they can get COVID again. And they can, what is it, in, 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 I think it's in Israel, where 40 to 50% of the people in hospital are fully vaccinated people. Yeah. Right. So follow the facts, folks. Yeah, they've yeah. been, they've been, they were vaccinating people fully before it was cool uh, yeah. in the eyes of many pro-vaccine people. And they've even vaccinated uh, minors, uh, yeah. which is something our country and others are not doing as of yet. Yeah. Now, I do, we do want to say that the claim is that the vaccine uh, lowers the severity of your your, your COVID case. Um, so, but th this isn't really a discussion about the vaccine anymore. This is a discussion of growing government power. Mandates. Mandates and the fact that they are doubling down mm -hmm. because they are unwilling to talk about natural immunity, some of these other things, because now they're all in. Yes. And... Uh, it's approaching a scary place. All right, folks, we're going to take a five-minute break for news. When we come back, more here on today's issues. You're listening to American Family Radio. Please return and join us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.